Hi, I'm Kate Baldwin. I play the role of Jane. Hi, I'm Graham Rowe. I play the role of Finn. And how well you did play those roles in our <laughs> new podcast, New Field, written by me, Tracy Brigden. And produced by me, Mike Dongadio. And acted a little. And a little acting. A little acting. Dad. Thank you for joining us for this little chat. Um, Mike and I did an interview uh, with each other the other day, and it was pretty funny. So, um, so yes, we started a production company during the pandemic called Roaring Box and put put together this podcast um, that's just a two-parter, but it's sort of an experiment for us to try this out and see how you make a fiction, you know, fictional scripted podcast. And luckily, we got two incredible actors, um, you two, to play the leading roles. So I, I am incredibly grateful. Um, do you mind just speaking a little bit about your backgrounds and like maybe even what you're your encounters with voice acting have been as well? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I've been a professional actor for 20, oh gosh, how old am I now? 24 <laughs> years and- um, You don't look that old. Oh, no. you have to say that. Because she started when she was a baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, making, a, making my living primarily on stage, doing plays and musicals. Um, and I've done a little bit of TV and a little bit of film. And then I don't know how many audio books I've done, uh, maybe five or six. And so to get to do a scripted podcast was really a delight because it was brand new to me. Cool. That's cool. Uh, and I uh, have also been a professional actor since uh, graduating not long ago, not that long ago, um, a long time ago. And uh <laughs> That's been how I've made my living. Um, but it, starting in 1990, I started doing some audiobooks for a company in New York, and I do about three, three or four a year. 1990? Yeah. No. Uh, no, I wasn't alive then. No. <laughs> no, 2009. 2009. We'll fix this in post. We will. 2009. Something with a nine in it. Yeah. Um, got it. Got I started it. recording. Uh, with r recorded books in New York and I'd go into their studio and um, I thought this is cool and it sort of scratched the itch of having a voiceover career which in New York I discovered is really hard but the audiobook sort of made me feel like I, I was good like I thought I could be and then uh, we moved out to New Jersey from Brooklyn and we had the space for me to actually put in a voiceover booth and then I started to see if I could do the audiobooks from home. And while I was waiting for those titles to come, I started looking into what else was out there. And I found a bunch of audio dramas that I thought were good. And I reached out to the creators and, and I said, here's my, here's my resume. And uh, that got me some work, which was really cool. And um, it's great. It's great to be able to, to I love the variety. I'll, I'll, I could babble on about audio dramas and podcasts forever, but that's, let me, let me stop there and... <laughs> We'll keep going. Well, and we all kind of, um, the way we all met is sort of kismet because I met Kate through theater and obviously knew of her before I even met her. Um, and then at the same time, when we started working together, we realized you guys, you, Graham, knew Mike. Yeah, we had been colleagues on the uh, No Sleep podcast, one of the many audio dramas that Graham participates in. I had been a player, am a player for the No Sleep podcast. And, and it was, like you said, kismet, where all of a sudden it was like, wait. Your wife knows my wife. Your husband <laughs> mm -hmm. knows my wife. Mm -hmm. Well, the crazy thing is, is too, with, with these kind of um, projects, you can be working with someone and never meet them and never speak with them. Um, and uh, a lot of the no sleep performers, you know, it wasn't until 
uh, I did a live show with uh, with Mike that I got to actually meet him and yeah. and talk to him. So it's crazy the the world of audio drama. You can be working alongside someone and never meet him. We were actually talking the other day um, when we were doing another bit of recording how it was actually unusual for you two to be actually in the booth and and acting together because many times you don't get to act opposite somebody you're you're operating in a, in a vacuum so to speak so. yeah and that's a part that i'm interested in how you felt about it particularly kate because you haven't done this much before you know we all learn in theater we learned at northwestern where we both went um, <laughs> listen and respond is like kind of a basis of acting but you're not actually responding or listening when you do it in you know opposite somebody who's just in their own booth doing it separately how was that weird yeah and the thing that i was gonna touch on was uh how much you do as an actor that is nonverbal, and how much of your behavior uh denotes character and um uh uh you know, it's something ridiculous, like, you know, 95% of the information we get from a person is nonverbal. And only 5% is what they're what they're actually saying. And of that 5% is like how 3% is like how they say it, yeah. you know, so it really does make you concentrate on your content and trying to paint a picture in a more um, complete way with your voice. I'm so impressed with the other actors. I just I want to learn from them. And they're so good at, at painting a really complete picture. I still feel like I'm I'm a beginner in that sense. Yeah, She's talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, that was the big learning curve for me writing, too, mm -hmm. because, of course, I, I'm principally a theater director. Mm -hmm. And so so much of what I would direct would be, again, nonverbal in action. And and so how do you just put it all into the words and hopefully mm -hmm. some sound effects? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious, um, Graham. And Mike, feel free to chime in, you know, because of um, you guys doing no sleep as well. Why do you think horror is such a popular um, genre for this medium? I think people's minds are more vivid than the screen. So I think like when you're when you're experiencing something that's horror related and you're looking at it, you know, on that the movie screen that's behind your forehead as you're envisioning what's happening. It's uh, horror is really ripe with uh, with Foley, right? You can get a lot of really mm -hmm. visceral, you know, yucky, <laughs> yucky sounds if you want for for horror. But also, what you I think what people often envision as what's happening can actually be more visceral than what's happening, say on a mm -hmm. on a you know, little TV screen or even a movie screen. I think we can make it more vivid. That's a great yeah, that's a great answer because I've always wondered why horror is so popular, and um, I work on another. A podcast that I sort of uh, have been with since its inception, and it's also a horror podcast. And I'm not, I don't, I don't think I wouldn't say that I'm a fan of horror, but I am a fan of people in extreme situations. Mm. Um, and I think that's what horror. Uh, you're gonna if you if you tune into a horror show, you know you're gonna get that, or you're you're assuming that's a given. Yeah, um, you're not gonna get uh, quiet, calm uh, drama. You're gonna get something extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess the other genre that seems really popular, ones that I like are also just mystery or suspense. So that mm -hmm. it's the, back to the classic radio drama where there's a cliffhanger at the end of an episode to keep you moving forward, like, you know, Passenger List or Homecoming or Carrier, some of those podcasts, I think are, are really lean into that suspense, drama, mystery, thriller thing, which I love. 
Um, in this podcast, Newfield, um, you guys had to um, play people, characters in two different errors, eras. Um, uh, and again, you had to just use your voices. There was no changing into period costumes to denote where you were. Can you talk a little bit about how you sort of altered your yourselves for the two different eras? Sure. I mean, it has to be very um, subtle, right? Because it has to still sound like uh, the same person. You know, Tracy, I asked you what I should do. And you said sort of lean on your classical training. You know, we were... Uh, I got a theater degree from Northwestern, uh, and we studied the Greeks, we studied Shakespeare, we studied uh, Wilde and Pinter, and sort of leaning into uh, a little bit of a heightened speech, because of course we're still in the United States. So trying to delineate between, you know, how people sound now and then and how people, I just hear myself and I'm so Midwestern, how people sound now, <laughs> uh, you know, and <laughs> trying not to, <laughs> trying not to criticize myself as I was, as I was t- speaking about dialect. Um, uh, so yeah, just a, a sort of more heightened, um, a heightened sense of, for, for the flashback scenes. Mm-hmm. scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Pump up the pump up the diction is I, I just um, exactly what you said. I just think I just think diction and I just start um, enunciating a little better. And mm-hmm. I think I also got to do a fun um, judge character, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which so then you get to. So like there's the there's the the natural speaking period person who I'm just thinking about enunciation. And then there's the exaggerated, um, indignant judge character and. He's he's got the diction, but he also has some of that. Maybe just a hint of uh, there's there's more of a mel- more melody to those characters, and uh... well, it all comes back to intention as well, right? If you can support your your vocal choice with what you're doing, mm-hmm. with what you want, it's it's yeah yeah yeah. That's what um, that's we've sound. been talking a lot about. You know, the difference between directing actors in this medium and directing actors when they're actually standing live before you. Mm. And, you know, so much of it always, though, goes back to verbs, right? So exactly what you're saying, like, what's your verb in this moment? What do you want? What are you trying to get? What are you trying to communicate? So, yeah, absolutely. I gave you guys some love scenes in this. Have you have you played opposite each other before? Well, um, when we met, we were we didn't actually we were in a show together, but we did not have any scenes together when we first met. Our second show together, we were, um, uh, we were in a White Christmas, and uh, we played the Bing Crosby, uh, Bing Crosby, mm-hmm. Rosemary Clooney roles, and oh, Crosby like Rosemary and Crosby, <laughs> yeah, Crosby. That's great. Oh, I like it. Crosby. It sounds like a cereal. I want to eat it. Well, I was thinking more like uh, Crosby Crunch. <laughs> if they had dated and uh, the, the the media combined their names, yes, yeah, so yeah. Would have been right, Crosby, like Benefer, right. And they're back. Yeah. Um, so we we did uh, we did um, White Christmas three years three Christmases in a row. Um, so yeah, we've we've had experience playing opposite each other, and then we've um, we did constellations at uh, the Berkshire Theater oh, that's Festival. Right. Um, so we've had some really and we uh, did bells are ringing, and we also mm-hmm, did yeah. a little night music. So mm-hmm. yes, we we worked together a bunch of times, and in all very different um, <clears throat> very different roles, uh-huh. yeah. very different plays, um, different stories. Yeah. I have to write a musical next time. Okay. <laughs> um, do you believe in well, ghosts? Ooh. Or um, do you believe in past lives? I kind of do. I kind of believe in past lives. Yeah, I kind of do. I've been so working so hard uh, 
you know, there was that phase where you're trying to convince your child, your young child, there's no such, there's no such thing as monsters. And I think I, I leaned into it so much that I don't believe in, I don't believe in ghosts because you can't. I, I needed to, I can't, I can't afford to, right. uh, or I couldn't in case my son then believed in ghosts mm-hmm. or ghosts are friendly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what, you know what, here's horror 101 is ghosts is, is the, they can exist because they can't do anything. They can't interfere. Uh-huh. They can't hurt you. That's my belief. Uh-huh. Uh, but of course, in a horror setting, they've got to have some sort of ability to hurt you. But uh, I'm willing to let them exist as long as they can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's funny about when you're little, how you definitely believe in ghosts for a while. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I remember holding my breath whenever we'd go by a graveyard. Because there was yep. like a myth that wow. the ghost would, if you in, if your mouth was open, it'll go down your throat and possess you. And of course, I put that in the in the story, in this story <laughs> that, you know, the ghosts mm-hmm. kind of. We didn't. I don't. I didn't have that as a kid. We you didn't. didn't? No, oh, no, we, we didn't always had to hold your breath. And then when you would go by the really big graveyards in like Queens or Long Island or whatever, you know, you couldn't hold your breath the whole time. You couldn't. Yeah. No, it was so scary. Yeah. Oh, um, so you'd gosh. pick up a couple ghosts uh, by the those ones. Yeah. Yeah. You would swallow a couple. Um, thanks for joining us, you guys. Can't wait to share your brilliance with the world. Thank you for having us. It was our pleasure, and we can't wait to hear the whole finished product. I love it. Thanks so much.